That's pretty deep, huh? Helen of Detroit, I think she was. The New Jersey translation of Joie de Vivre. What? What? I was kind of like Scooby-Doo there. What? How would Don Quixote have known about Cadillacs way back then? They created England's greatest monarch of all time. You know what? That's interesting. I thought of them, but please tell me why you chose them, and I'll tell you why I didn't. Hello, John. Hey, Kurt. Did I detect even the slightest little hint of a British accent there after you spent a month there recently? You're all right. You're okay, John. Should we nip out to the local for a little pint? Maybe if plain, maybe we should get a pride and I'll pay with a lady, which is a five pound note because it's Cockney rhyme for Lady Godiva Fiva. Is Lady Godiva on the five pound note? No, but Lady Godiva rhymes with Fiva, and that's the way Cockney slang works. Are you feeling peckish at all? I'm not feeling peckish, but I am a little knackered because I didn't sleep that well last night. All right. Well, at least you're not peckish. Peckish. You know what? I'm kind of like, oh, I don't know, Queen Elizabeth and Philip, a great couple, me and a pint. A great couple and a long-lasting couple at that. So They were. So he recently passed away. She, he was just about to turn 100, I think. I think you're right. And she's up there in the 90s somewhere as well. I was just at her Jubilee, John. And Jubilee is the 75th year in service? 70th year of her reign. But this is 70th. Like a- Isn't that a weird number to celebrate? 70? So they call everything a Jubilee. So she had a golden Jubilee, a diamond jubilee a platinum jubilee i think every 20 years they're doing a jubilee so what's the 70 year jubilee i think it's platinum i don't know but what are we talking about today john our audience wants to know i think you mentioned philip and elizabeth for a specific reason yes why don't you share that with us kurt i think we're just going to delve today into famous couples right i mean we're feeling amorous ourselves we're feeling like we like couplehood So let's delve into couples. We're having a little Breakback Mountain moment here, aren't we? Or Brokeback Mountain, yes. (laughs) Breakback. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't see. did break their backs. So it's called Brokeback Mountain. Well, I know it was supposed to be an excellent movie. In fact, I think it was so good that people even referred to it as a film. But I didn't see it. But there is a famous couple, yes. I mean, that was a sort of a big deal kind of relationship on the big screen with well-known actors. Absolutely. That was a fictional couple. But so we're, today we're going to talk about fictional or non-fictional, which would be real people. So if couple. I were to pull a couple out of the Bible, would that be fiction or non-fiction? Ooh, that's pretty deep, huh? Well, are you going with Adam and Eve? Or are you going with Samson and Delilah? Where are you going? I was just asking. I wanted to see what you'd say in response to Jesus the Bible. And Mary Magdalene? You know, it's hard to talk about famous couples without talking about the famous first couple of Adam and Eve. Did they stay married? Because I don't remember their discussion of a divorce in the Garden of Eden. They must have, but they had some, you know, they weren't the best parents. They let one of their sons kill the other one. Well, that's nice continuity from last week's episode, Kurt. How about that? You seem to have Cain and Abel on the mind. But to my knowledge, there was no romance between Cain and Abel, so they don't count. Oh, we're talking about romantic couples. Yes. Well, famous couples, it implies that they're coupling. 
literally well, and figuratively. <laughs> okay. You know that in Shakespearean times, when you lie with someone, that means to have sex with them. Thank you for decoding that. And like in the Bible, when they say beget, there are children coming. Yes. So tell me what you're talking about. I'm going to throw a famous couple at you that I don't think are often referred to as like Adam and Eve is sort of, you don't say Adam without Eve, but you sort of always hear them together. But I have an incredibly famous couple that is probably from literature, although it is a story passed down by the bards, so it's difficult to know. You say the bard, who are you referring to? Well, I'm referring to this particular bard, perhaps the most famous bard that I know of is Homer. So this would be the Homeric bard. But it's not a story about Homer. It's a story that Homer would have passed along. I was merely trying to make the point that we don't know if it's true or not. All that being said, there are two people in a couple, famous couple, important couple that are not usually referred to like Sonny and Cher, Bogey and Bacall, but it is Paris and Helen. So Paris, who was the Prince of Troy, had had a thing for Helen, who was married at the time. Well, Helen runs off with Paris. And what do we get? We get the launching of a thousand ships, the start of the Trojan War. And I mentioned the thousand ships because, as you know, being so highly educated, that Helen is what? What's how is she often referred to, Kurt? The face that launched a thousand ships. Exacto mundo. Yeah. So she was not Helen of Troy until Paris came and fell in love with her and absconded with her. He was Paris of Troy. Yes. She was Helen married to somebody else. Helen of Detroit, I think she was. I think it was actually Toledo, but it was, but I know it was a Midwestern sort yeah. of blue Rust collar. Belt. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It Rust. was Rust Belt. So anyway, that relationship launched a 10-year war and we got the Trojan horse from the whole deal. They beget or begot a Trojan horse, sort of, but not directly and not biologically, not physically. It's funny because... People know of Helen of Troy, but people don't all know of Paris, and they are a couple. That's right. That was my point. You don't hear Paris and Harris. <laughs> you don't hear Helen and Paris or their nickname like Harris. They were referred to like, <laughs> like Benefer. They were called exactly. Harris back in exactly. early Homer days. Yes. So I think that Paris of Troy and Helen absolutely belong on the Mount Rushmore of famous couples in history, not for their love, but for what their love begot. Well, here's the thing about the Mount Rushmore analogy, which is clever. There's only room for, well, are there four faces or five faces? There are five faces. Four. four. Okay. Why do I Donald think Donald Trump five? wanted to be the fifth. No comment. Ah. So that only leaves room for one more couple because there's only four faces. So who, Kurt, would be the other couple on the metaphorical Mount Rushmore? You've just burned two spots. Two spots, only burned one. Helen is a face and Paris is a face. But they're a couple together. They make one. So you're arguing that there's room for four couples on Mount Rushmore? Yes. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm going to go with a couple from the Bible, Samson and Delilah. Now, who sung it better? What are my choices? The Pointer Sisters or Bruce Springsteen? The Pointer Sisters sang it. I think he may have written it, though. Probably. Is that true? Well, he wrote <laughs> Blinded by the Light. We know that. Yes, he did. But, but did he write Samson and Delilah? I probably did. Ooh, fire. 
So tell me about Samson and Delilah. We well, know about the haircut thing, but well, that that was it. They were very famous. She was gorgeous. He was gorgeous. He was powerful, and he was a guy who was so powerful in strength, both physical and emotional, that no one could tie him down. And he was like, you know what? I'm not going to have any of this autocratic rule. So he fought against autocratic rule. He fought against the royalty. He fought against whoever was in charge because he wanted equality for all. And the person in charge said, you know what? Kind of not digging this. Delilah, what if I did this to you? I'm going to give you a ton of money. I want you to cut his hair because that's the secret of his strength. And you're going to be okay on my side. And she did. And the poor guy never recovered. You think he would because hair does grow back. Yeah. So how come when his hair grew back, he didn't get his power back? Because... Like many things, John, the power actually wasn't in his hair. The power was in him all along, but he got it taken away from him. What are you talking about? <laughs> it was his hair. Oh, that's what you think. I'm giving you a different thought, which is like all those great Christmas movies and everything else. It was in you all along. Oh, it right. It wasn't your baseball mitt. It wasn't your lucky this or that. It's you. Oh, it thank you, Santa. Hair. Now I understand. It's a wonderful life. Yes, it was in you all the time. It was in Samson all the time. And when it got taken away from him by his love, he lost his, you know, his joie de vivre and therefore his power. His juju, which is the New Jersey translation of joie de vivre. Exactly right. So I don't know who wrote Samson and Delilah, but I will tell you that while I was trying to figure out who wrote it, I learned something borderline shocking to me, at least. Do you know who was the first to perform it live? None other than... Hold on. Neil Diamond. The Grateful Dead. What? What? Huh? I was kind of like Scooby-Doo there. What? You know where I thought you were going to go? I mean, I appreciate the Samson and Delilah and that sort of, you know, steeped in history, kind of like you. But you know who I thought you were going to go with? Because I thought, of you know, Kurt, the history guy, I thought you were going to go Cleopatra and Mark Antony. No. Did you consider them? I did, but I don't like that couple. Why? Because I don't buy it. Okay, you're going to have to elucidate, illuminate, so, expand on that. So if you, you don't buy it, Cleopatra's history and life, she would date. She was very manipulative and she was very, very Machiavellian. She would date for whatever served her, not even her people, but her. And so therefore, I don't buy that any of hers were genuine. And all of a sudden, we're supposed to believe that out of nowhere, after Julius Caesar's gone, Mark Anthony comes over and they fall madly in love. Well, I think well, they fell in love. And if I remember the story, which I quite possibly do not, but you'll correct me, they ended up starting a war with Rome. And Mark Antony sided with Cleopatra, who was the queen of Egypt. And they lost the Egyptian Mark Antony and Cleopatra lost the war and they ended up killing themselves so they could die together. Kind of right. So, right. So what did I get wrong? What happened was Julius Caesar upon his demise, right? Ides of March. Smart dribble. Ides of March. His adopted son formed a triumvirate. It was Octavian who later became Augustus, the greatest Roman emperor of all time. And actually the first Roman emperor, Augustus, was formed a triumvirate with Mark Antony and its other guy. But triumvirates, as you know, never lasted, certainly in ancient Rome. And so Antony ran away from Augustus and went to Cairo, to Egypt, Alexandria, Alexandria. And the other guy he killed. So Augustus is like, I'm coming after you, Antony. You are now a traitor to the Roman cause and came in and was going to kill them. And you're right. Then she said, oh, let's take this asp 
not ass, asp. That would be a snake. Yes. And let's kill each other. You can't talk about lovers dying at the same time without some reference, at least some acknowledgement of Romeo and Juliet, exactly. which, of course, is part of the same lyrics of Samson and Delilah from before. So they've been mentioned indirectly now twice. Then if you fast forward to the 20th century and you remember another famous couple, Elvis and Lisa Marie, I believe that she was 14 when they first exchanged amorous feelings toward and Jerry Lee Lewis with his cousin. Yeah, who was 13. And he married her. But here's the thing. If you knew her name, they might be considered as a famous couple. But I knew Lisa Marie. And I don't actually, it wasn't Lisa Marie that's discussing. That's his daughter. It was Priscilla. Yeah, come on. But it was Lisa Lisa Marie, of course, was their daughter. Do you know that they have stripped about 1,800 words that used to be credited to Shakespeare? He used to be credited with making up with creating like 3,600 words. Now they said, well, it's actually about 1,800. But the guy created 1,800 words. All I've created is smart drivel. Well, actually, you didn't even do it by yourself. No, I know. I'm a co-creator of drivel. And this guy singularly created 1,800 words and expressions, and he put stuff together you never even thought of. Well, I don't think the sum total of your life at this point is your, you know, can be defined as the co-creation of smart drivel. You've done other things. Perhaps centuries from now, you'll be remembered like Shakespeare is remembered. And they'll ask themselves questions like, did Kurt Schneider really exist as one person or is he an amalgam of a bunch of people? Oh, I could be an amalgam. So I want to jump to the 20th century to two people who were romantically involved, who had an incredible impact on culture as we know it, because really of their couple of them, couple of them. I'm talking about Robert Rauschenberg and Jasper Johns. Well, I thought you were going to go someplace else. I had something else in mind while you were doing that whole setup. Okay. Well, then you have to tell us. Well, I'll tell you when you're done telling us about Rausch and Johns. (laughs) Robert Rauschenberg and Jasper Johns. So at the time, they were both artists in New York in the 50s. And at the time, what art movement was owning the world? The retro modernism. No. Ultra. Abstract Expressionism, its foremost purveyor of this was whom? Jackson Jackson Pollock. Pollock. Yes. I got it right. Yes, you did. And you had Kandinsky and you had all this. Everyone was doing abstract expressionism. It was, there's no object. We're just going to throw paint around. We're going to throw shapes around. And that was it. And then these guys said, huh, maybe not. This is not like the greatest thing. And they started doing their own stuff together because they were romantic. They were deeply in love. They split up later on. But And they basically created a new form of art. And because of them, we got the segue or the change from abstract expressionism into pop art. Wow. Andy Warhol. Yes. Oh, my God. And into performance art, conceptual art. These guys did. (laughs) These guys did (laughs) a little bit of all of that. And because of that, we have all the art we have today. So I proffer to you as example A of great couples with a big change that were romantically involved, Robert Rauschenberg and Jasper Johns. Listen, I can't argue with that. I've only just begun to be grateful for the impact that Robert Rauschenberg and Jasper Johns had on the art of the mid 20th century and how it's impacted my life in all sorts of invisible ways I haven't noticed yet. Look, you're not getting Warhol soup cans without it. You're not. Here's where I thought you were going. When you were talking about backing up a few years from Elvis and Priscilla meeting, which I presume was the late 50s. Yeah, 59, I think. I think think it was 59. And I think 
And I think you said about 15 years. That took me to 1944, the year that Bogey and Bacall made their first film together. Now, he was married at the time, and it was scandalous. Not that he hadn't been married a few times, but this was particularly scandalous. And part of the reason it was so scandalous, other than the fact that the two of them were extraordinarily well-known, was that this is sort of your classic... Uh, Daddy issue. Yeah. What's it called? A, a December to June? What are those romances called? Oh, no, I was thinking because he was so much older than her. That's my point. That's like one of those like June to December kind of romances, but I don't know the expression. Anyway, there was a ginormous age difference. So Bogey was 45 at the time, and she, Lauren Bacall, was 19. So there was a 25-year time difference. But here's here's where something about how their story ends. Yeah. They actually ended married. Yeah. In part because he didn't, unfortunately, live that long. But they were married for 11, 12, 13 years. But I wonder how many of these incredibly famous historical couples from fiction, entertainment, and history actually ended up together. I suspect a lot of them didn't. In any event, I'm going to put up Bogey and Bacall. And of course, their movie Key Largo has been, you know, forever built into the lyrics of a song. Yes. What song? I think it might be called Key Largo. I think you're right. (laughs) Do you know who sings that? I will say Air Supply. I'm all out of love. I'm so (laughs) lost without you. It came it's in the 70s. The song. Bertie Higgins. Of course. Yes. Like so it's Bert, just like Bert, Samson Bert. and Delilah, Romeo and Juliet, and Bogey and Bacall. So a lot of these folks get immortalized in bad songs or good songs. Well, let me get give you a couple now that was not immortalized in a song, but I'm going for true impact. So we had one couple, which was the impact on art. This couple had a huge impact on religion. I'm not talking about Jesus and Mary Magdalene. I'm not talking about Adam and Eve. Are you talking about Simone de Bouvier and Jean-Paul Sartre? Nope. Because they didn't have an impact on religion. Is that why? <laughs> exactly. Okay. How about none other than Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn? Ah, let's talk about Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn. Well, he was so in love with her. He wanted to, and he also wanted to have a male heir, that he created an entirely new religion broke with the church, as in the Catholic Church in Rome and the Pope, then created the Anglican Church, which allowed divorce because the Pope right. wouldn't. And he did this all so he could marry Anne Boleyn. Now, he ended up chopping her head off. But I was just going to say, I mean, he he did want her very badly. And if I recall, not only did the story end badly for Anne Boleyn, it ended badly for Sir Thomas More, who I think we mentioned on a recent episode as well. In yeah. any event, he was very much in love with her. And she was unwilling to be a mistress. So he was forced because of her insistence on getting a divorce so that he could marry her. And it is ironic that he went through all that trouble and then chopped her head off. But I will say, and he wanted a male heir, which he didn't get. But instead, thankfully, they were together because they created England's greatest monarch of all time, Elizabeth I. And she gave rise to the Elizabethan age which you once thought was in the 19th century. Not to be confused with the current monarch whose jubilee you attended recently. That would be Elizabeth II, yes. who came hundreds of years after Elizabeth I, yes. which, yes, at one point confused me because Elizabeth I, Elizabeth II, you might think they're a little closer together, but they're not. It also is They're separated by centuries. We tend to bring everything back in this episode because Elizabeth I, during her reign, gave access 
and gave propulsion to one William Shakespeare, who most people do refer to as the bard, not Homer, Shakespeare. Okay. Homer came first. I understand. But when you say the bard with a capital T, capital B, nine times out of 10, people are saying Bill. Well, not based on how I set it up. And secondly, if you just hadn't spent a month in England, you might be a little bit less Britocentric at the moment. Everything I say goes through your your British filter at the moment, you limey bastard. So I gave you somebody from the 40s, Bogey and Bacall. I gave you somebody from the 50s, although just snuck it in there, Priscilla and Elvis. I know where you're going with this one. I'm going to the 1960s. I'm going to Camelot. Oh, I thought you were going to do John Lennon and Yoko Ono. Let me talk about Camelot. Not the fictional ancient Camelot, but the 1960s real Camelot. Exactly. Which you and I just missed. But I think we would have enjoyed it. It was a time of great hope in this country. And that seems like a nice thing to experience, especially since we are right now. But anyway. It was a bit of quixotic hope, but it was hope nonetheless. Hey, hope is probably the most powerful human drug there is. Which is why I said quixotic, right? That was all about hope. It's just impossible to drive a Cadillac up your nose. It's just impossible. The impossible dream. Is that not a lyric from the impossible dream? I suspect not. Because how would Don Quixote have known about Cadillacs way back then? Now, JFK and Jackie were as close to royalty as we had in this country. If they had lived, we might be close to their 70th Jubilee kind of thing at this point. Actually, you know, sort of get in there. Anyway, obviously, it ended tragically when JFK was shot. They had an enormous impact on society, albeit short-lived, given that it was quixotic. And by the way, thanks to her, we got... Grand Central Terminal renovated in the 70s. Phew. Was that before or after she married Onassis? It was when. Is right that? after, but she was married to him at the time. Did she get the money from him to pay yes. for the? Yes. And she raised it. She was quite a fundraiser. I um, think she would be an enormously difficult person to say no to, given her public profile and what she experienced in front of everybody. I'm going to give you another couple. And we're running out of time here, but I'm going to give you one more. You know who ran out of time? JFK. So, yes, so did Samson, so did a lot of, so did Anne Boleyn. So this couple, I gave you the couple that gave rise to art in the later half of the latter half of the 20th century. You must mean Sonny and Cher. This couple basically produced, not produced, propelled forward and were the accelerator and the creative force behind the literature phase of the 1920s and 30s. Was it Simone de Bouvier and Jean-Paul Sartre? Gertrude Stein and Alice B. Toklas. Oh, yeah. I've been to Gertrude Stein's grave in Paris. They were deeply in love for 40 years. They, they hosted a salon where everyone from Hemingway... Shalom to, to you as well. <laughs> it means hello, goodbye, and peace in Hebrew. T.S. Eliot, Hemingway, Fitzgerald, they all went there. So, yes, I mean, it's hard to argue against... Gertrude Stein's impact. And And Alice B. Toklas. And if I had remembered her name, I would have mentioned her too. Any relation to Alexander de Tocqueville? No. So in that very famous cemetery in Paris, not only is Gertrude Stein there, but I guess most famously, dare I say, for pop culture fans is Jim Morrison. Yes, supposedly. So when you were talking about Jackie O, it reminded me that my wife, Suzanne, very early in her career, she worked at Phantom Doubleday and Dell as an assistant. And Jackie worked as an editor for one of those imprints. And it was always a big deal when like 
JFK Jr. came to the building to take his mom out to lunch and everyone wanted to see them, meet them. But uh, Suzanne did share an elevator ride with Jackie O. No discussion or small talk ensued. She was a private woman who wore hats and very big glasses and probably didn't want to speak to people in the elevator. Have any last couple because we have to wrap this up. Yes, I'll give you one last one. Why don't you give me one last one? And when I say one, of course, I mean two because we're discussing famous couples. Yeah. I give you, John, I give you Bonnie and Clyde. You know what? That's interesting. I thought of them, but please tell me why you chose them and I'll tell you why I didn't. (laughs) Cool factor. I think people that are criminals or, you know, on the run from the law always get the cool factor, right? Butch casting the Sundance kid, Billy the kid, or Jesse James. Most of these people in history were not good people. They were vile, foul, bad people. But in America, for sure, we have this love affair with the, the renegade, the person who fights against tyranny and or fights against the man. And Bonnie and Clyde being a couple. Of course, you do have Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway. I give you Bonnie and Clyde. All right. Since we're talking about the movies, I'll give you one last couple that is from fiction because I mentioned the movies and I didn't say anything about documentaries, but probably has one of the, if not the most famous goodbye scene in history. And of course, I'm talking about Rick and Elsa from Casablanca. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. That was a great friggin' scene. Rick and Elsa from Casablanca. What you got for me? You want to react to that? What a great one to end on. So the fun thing about this topic is that we could have gone on forever talking about famous couples. And we just, you know, we probably grabbed eight or 10 or 12, but we could have very easily grabbed another 10 or 12 that had nothing in common with this group, but were similarly famous or made a contribution to history that uh, that can't be dismissed. So this was fun. Yes. Thank you all. But listen, we'll be back next week with a new version of Smart Dribble. <laughs> listen, we'll you, did the, you did the opening. Let me handle the closing. All right, go. I would like to repeat. Thank you for listening. I would like to not repeat anything that followed after that. In any event, Kurt and I will be back next week with another brand new edition of Smart Dribble. Until then, and as always, Kurt and I hope that you are Life and week filled with smart dribble or smart dribble, whatever the case may be. Ciao, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye.